tuning in to Art and Business and Murals, a podcast about running a small creative business with interviews, artist stories, and industry tips. I hope this podcast keeps you company on what can sometimes feel like a solo journey. So on this episode, I've got Kate Owen with me, and I'm, I better just start this episode by saying, though, that it, we're recording this in the school holidays, and I still have a nine-year-old son who is just to the left of me playing Nintendo. So if you hear screaming, it's my son, and also my husband is homesick. So if you hear, like, the fridge open, that's him getting lunch. So I just thought I'd better start the super professional here on this side. Um, so I've got Kate Owen here today, and I'm so excited because... We've known each other since 2016, 2017. Oh, gosh, I can't even think of the year, but yeah. yes. From the Art Lovers Australia. The mural year. Yeah. <laughs> year of the mural. <laughs> yeah, I think I may have um, uh, scarred you a little bit with that mural. and Because <laughs> you've seen I haven't really done any more since then. No, <laughs> you didn't scar me at all. It was a great experience. It was just probably wasn't something I was going to continue with, that's all. No, and that's completely understandable. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. So we met at the Art Lovers Australia conference forever ago and right. um, yeah. you just happened to mention that Gundawindi, which is close to where you live, was having a street art festival and, of course, you know me well. If you mention yes. one thing to me, I just run with it. So <laughs> <laughs> we ended up collaborating on a mural together, which was yeah. fun. I really it loved was. it. It was. It was fantastic. And it, it um, well, I'd done one the previous year, just a smaller, like a, something on a little container. But um, so I thought, yes, I can do it again. But of course, I was getting, you know, cajoled by my community as well, don't forget. So, you know, <laughs> I did it for the love of my community, um, which is great because this it does make you get off your bum and do things that you probably wouldn't otherwise do so um but it was great having you there someone else to collaborate with was a good experience yes I really enjoyed working with with you too I actually really enjoyed just staying at your house and drinking wine and <laughs> out your awesome studio which yeah you'll need to see on Instagram it's next level amazing like uh, well I'm just about to I've been trying to get my builders to extend it for me for the past year and a half wow. because they've been at the house doing other things renovations and of course my studio has been pushed back to be the last thing so I did hear they've got um, my husband's finally given them the word of you must get it done, you know, this year. So hopefully by the middle of the year I might have have a bigger studio. No. Yeah, just finding that it, um, it's, it's one room, I guess, with the deck out the front, but um, just sort of in the initial plan, you know, you think that's going to be amazing because what you've got at the time is tiny, but when you grow into it, you sort of suddenly realise, oh, my God, I didn't make enough allowances for how, because I live out here and I have to buy everything in bulk, I have bulk bubble wrap and bulk cardboard and all these things take up space and start, you know, encroaching on your painting area. So I thought, right, I need to have another room on the back. And then because we've waited so long for the builders to get to it, I said to Michael yesterday, yeah, I'm now thinking I might put a toilet over there too. Yeah. 
going to be um, about a little bit bigger as well because yeah. I thought, well, if I ever get to the point where I can have employ someone to help me either packing or doing other things, you know, it's it's a place then they don't have to come over to the house, you know, they, there's a loo there and, they, you know, I can have someone there working in another room while I'm in the painting space. So, uh, yes, that's the the end goal. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds lovely. And are you thinking of getting someone in to help you pack and send? Well, it's very difficult out here because, um, of course, distance is uh, always uh, difficult. But um, I do actually have a girl that I she's sort of consulting, I guess. She has her own business, which is called Full Package Marketing, Laura. And she lives about half an hour down the road. So she always do, already does work for me on newsletters and um, help with socials and website and stuff like that. But we do all of that remote, you know, we don't sort of, she doesn't come over here to do it. We just do it all remotely. But as I get older, and I'm thinking, yeah, getting down on the ground and packing huge artworks, starting to hurt my knees and stuff like that. I need to be thinking ahead if I'm going to continue this. I, I might need to look for a little school lever or someone who's taking a gap year at home who wants a bit of extra work or something like that to come and, you know, do that sort of thing. I did actually have Sam home for couple of months and he was helping with that because he didn't have any subjects on at uni at the end of last year and so that was pretty good because well, that's why we have kids isn't it <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to hear us say that but yes I must admit I was most surprised that he was actually interested in working for mum and um I thought this is this must be how all the men feel who want their children to follow in their you know occupation in their footsteps it's like it's very gratifying when they actually want to take an interest <laughs> anyway it's he's gone back to uni now of course it didn't didn't last terribly long, but it was nice while he was here because we were using all his latest, um, you know, newly acquired skills at film school to do some filming of content and all of that sort of thing. So that was very helpful. Oh, and I feel like Sam lives closer to me now. <laughs> yes. So if he's yes. looking for more work. You know. Yes, that's right. Well, he'll be busy with uni from when does he start? Not until beginning of March. So, yes, he's still got, but he's back up in Brisbane now looking for a place, new place to live. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we should say that you live out near, it's, it's near North Star, isn't it? Yes, I actually live, so it's northern New South Wales, which is, uh, it's about an hour northeast of Moree or an hour southeast of Gundawindi, which is on the border. So Gundawindi is where we did the mural. Um, and it's the town that that's, I sort of classify that as my town because um, that's where we always go and do everything, even though that's Queensland, but we're New South Wales, um, as we just discovered in our little <laughs> mix-up with the time zones this morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so, yes, I'm about an hour from from to any town, any big-sized town, but the little villages that are near us are North Star's half an hour away, and I'm actually closest to Cropper Creek, which is only... 10 minutes down the road, really. It's got a little, you know, store, which is the post office, the parts store, the everything store. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, it's a very small little village. 
So how do you get all of your art supplies and packing supplies and like what happens if you have like if you just ran out of white and you're like, oh, just need to pop down the store and get some white? Well, you can't. <laughs> so that's why I have. That's why I need a bigger studio because I've got so much stuff because I have to make sure that I've got stock of everything that I need. So hence I buy things in bulk and I buy lots and I've got a million thousand and one colours, you know, everywhere. Um, mind you, it would probably do be good to run out of stuff more often because I, then I would be challenged by parameters that are like you must use something else and maybe you can, <laughs> you know, it uh, you'd create something different to be able to use whatever you have on hand, I guess. Yeah, like a self-imposed brief. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, I just order it all online. Oh, perfect. So, yeah, I found that just to be the easiest because I try, I like I go away a lot, like we'll go up to Toowoomba or Brisbane or the Gold Coast or whatever, and I could go to an art store when I'm there, and I sometimes do, just to have that wander through, you know, nice experience of discovering something new. But I've just found my trips are usually fraught with oh, so many other things I have to do that trying to find the art store when I'm there and make time to go is difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's easy to shop online and if I know what I want. So yeah, I agree. So we probably, I probably should ask you again, as I mentioned before, I always get halfway through interviews and then go, wait, I've got questions. (laughs) I probably should talk about your background and, you know, how you came to be working as an artist. Yeah. Well, like, I'm one of three girls. We're all creative from a young age because my dad was actually, is a naturally, great painter um so he did a bit of painting when we were little um and mum was quite crafty too like she did knitting and sewing and was good with her hands so we were always making things doing things um so when I finished school I did art at school of course and then you know year 12 I think I didn't study for anything else except the art exam and top in in my grade and that was my goal (laughs) Um, but after that I I decided I had a real love of fashion so I wanted to go to um, fashion college so I went to KVB in Sydney which was in North Sydney for I think it was only a year and um because I was very, I just wasn't into doing too much study. I just wanted to get out and work. Anyway, so a year, uh, my dad tried to discourage me any way he could because he was very concerned that I was not going to make any money whatsoever. And he's absolutely right. I did not make much money at all <laughs> for quite some time uh, because, you know, that industry is totally notorious for using young labour, I guess, and uh, skills and not paying um but anyway it was a great experience I got to go on lots of overseas trips and and things like that so it was really good um then I I think I was three years maybe at that and then I decided I wanted to um me being how old was I went started work when I was 18 and I finished with table eight that's who I was working for at the time and when I was 21 and then I decided think it must be must have been thinking I was so knowledgeable after that little three-year stint that I would open my own business 
<laughs> so I did that in Moree, which is where I grew up. And mum and dad lived just out of town. So I had my own business in Moree for a while, which I was making um, clothing to order plus some things of my own design hanging on the rack in the front and that. But the business was primarily made up of making clothing for people, whatever it was they wanted, but specialising in bridal wear and formal wear and all that sort of, you know, one-off sort of stuff. So a few years later that had driven me to distraction because you know what brides are like. Anyway, so after that I I moved on to Uh, Where did I go then? Because something completely different. I went to uh, work for Big W in Grafton, (laughs) which was just, yes, sounds really crazy now, but I think I just wanted something totally different. I ended up being the ladies wear manager in in Big W in Grafton. But And people say, why Grafton? Because the boy of the moment happened to live in Grafton. (laughs) So off I went to Grafton. Anyway, that was actually, um, I'm really, I look back on that time and think, yeah, I'm really glad I did that because it taught me a whole other, the whole other side of fashion, you know, and that retail market and working for a very big company, that sort of thing. It was a good experience. Oh, I'm trying to think about how I got from there to where I am now. Is it Um, because of another boy? It's <laughs> always boys involved out there. Make you do stupid things. I'm fortunate the boy I have now lets me do whatever I like, so that's good. Um, yeah. After oh gosh, I'm having a I'm having a blank as to where I went after that. But anyway, suffice to say, yes, the other boy, the next boy was Michael, husband, and. Um, at the time, I was actually back working in Sydney, and for a for a um, for a fashion company called Canange, who did like denim and tensile and all of that sort of stuff. So it's, I think that period in between um, uh, Big W and then was a bit of a lost period where I was doing odd things and that's that sort of thing. And so and then I'd finally decided, right, if you, you study fashion, are you going to do fashion or are you not going to do fashion? So I had this, right, apply for a job and just be real, Kate, get back into it, you know, that sort of thing. So that's how I then I applied for that job at Command and ended up back in Sydney doing fashion. Um, and then I, I met Michael on a, I was, you know, home at one time and um, a girlfriend and I went to uh, the races and Michael was our driver. So met Michael and I literally had got the job at Canange and then was to start the next week and met Michael the week before I went down. So you can imagine, can't you, that was like eight months it took me. Eight months later I was back here. <laughs> <laughs> calling me every day was so persistent yeah anyway he um I did get I must admit I was glad that I went and did that because I you know gave the city another go but it seems like each time I went I'm a country girl at heart and I just love the space that the country provides and the city is all a bit full on for me. I love all the perks, of course. I like going there to travel there just for a short time to enjoy all the nice things. Um, But anyway, so eight months I, I ended up back here and Michael and I were living together on his place 
And then I think it was only a year later we were married and then wow. three months later and a baby on the way. So it's not <laughs> like, no, <laughs> wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Anyway, um, so oh, when the kids were little, you know, it took me so many years. I had, I always wanted to be painting and doing things, but I, I was so caught up in all the other things I wanted to do, which was um, I had three wishes started with a friend, which was initially a party plan type of business where we'd, you know, take our goods and chattels to weigh out to people who didn't live close to town, you know, similar situation to ourselves where they didn't have lots of things available to buy. So we'd go and do that. Anyway, that lasted for a while until I was too pregnant to get on the back of the trailer and pack the trailer. (laughs) So um, that had to sort of stop and we found a place in Gundawindi that we started renting. So then it sort of started in that whole, I just always had really wanted to have a shop, you know, to sell all the lovely things that I wanted to sell. And then it also morphed into a cafe because, of course, we thought, well, if we're here, we may as well make a coffee. We may as well make a cake because we like cooking as well. People used to, it was such a... Uh, it was a lovely time, actually, that beginnings of the cafe because, um, and being in a small town, people, it's the real community. And we started out with um, just a gold coin donation for a coffee because you just we just bought our little machine in from home, as you do. And, you know, no sign of a food inspector or, a you know, food and safety or anything like that. So, well, that's a good idea. Let's do that. God, wouldn't happen these days. You've got so many rules and regulations that you have to, you know, adhere to. Um, yeah, so we had um, gold coin donation and then we thought we can't have coffee without cake. So then we decided we'd just make a cake and bring it in because the girl that I was partners with, Kelly, was a caterer. And so um, it was, you know, it was a very good partnership because we'd, you know, she was very good on the food side. Anyway, we did that for, it grew and it, to a point where we'd then do lunch, but we'd only do it one day a week. And we sort of, because the, the little shop we were in didn't have a kitchen or anything. It was just literally four walls, didn't even have a back room, nothing. It was like as big as my bedroom. That's about it. Wow. <laughs> so we, um Yes. So we started doing lunches and um, it would just be on a Wednesday every week. So everyone knew that they had to book their seat, book ahead, and we could only fit feed so many because, um, you know, we'd made it home brought in. We only had a set amount of food, couldn't make any more. And we had this little courtyard, so everyone had to sit in the courtyard, only if the weather was good, though, because <laughs> otherwise they'd get rained on. <laughs> or it'd be too hot or it'd be too cold or something like that. Anyway, it was really, people loved it because it was like a special Wednesday treat. Mm. Uh, you know, it was something, I guess it was a bit of a novelty in town. We, yeah, we had a few cafes and things, but uh, it was just something new and different. Anyway, uh, that went on. I can't even remember how long I had three wishes, but um Unfortunately, Kel left the district and so I had to go it alone without Kel for a while, which was became increasingly difficult because the cafe developed and, and then suddenly before you know it, I've got a cafe and a homewares shop that the cafe is like <clears throat> six days a week or something like that and it was just getting more and more difficult because the kids were by that stage born and at 
mostly daycare and preschool. So it was, you know, I was driving an hour into town and then having to get them into preschool or daycare and then go to work. And I I was, of course, they're always the last mother to be picking up her children. Putting them in the car and and then getting home late and having to pour them into bed, you know, scrape them out of their car seats. It was, um, yeah, it was not an ideal. Certainly I did not have a very good grasp on work-life balance at that point in my life. (laughs) Anyway, so of course, you know, you can't sustain that sort of thing. So it did come to a bit of a point where crisis point and... At that time, then, there was a girl that opened up a new store in Gundawindi, um, Vanessa Korish, who opened up a new homeware store, and she was in a not a good location. And I just thought, you know what, I really need another partner. I'm just going to go and ask her if she's interested. So I just went and knocked on her door and said, do you want to join forces? Because you're in a really bad spot here. I need a partner. You're closer to town. She was still out of town, but only 15 minutes. And, you know, let's help each other instead of being in competition to each other. And so she agreed, which was really great. We had a really good um, business partnership for many years. Um, We took her name of the business, which was Nutmeg Home, because she had the fancy counter and the bags already printed. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, well, that's one less cost. Okay, we'll keep your, you know, your name. Um, So we were still down. When she joined me, I was still down in that little tiny shop and courtyard but there was we then took over the shop at the very end of the courtyard as well so that had the homewares in it and the cafe one was the original one and then um oh, so after a while we we found a bigger shop and then um expanded we had a landlord that was prepared to put in a proper kitchen and you know eating space and stuff so we had homewares at the front restaurant at the back or cafe I should say anyway um I had a I had another girlfriend who um was helping us make cakes and do food for the the cafe her name was Erica and um so we actually started our own business on the side at the same time as all this is going on doing cooked cake crumbs so we were doing specialist cakes like occasion cakes you know birthdays and uh weddings and all of that sort of stuff so and that was really really fun really enjoyed that it meant most of my days were spent cooking from morning till night um and actually a little aside here was when Sam, before he even started school, and um, I had a cousin of mine staying here at one point for a while, and she, I must have been away, and she told me later that she'd go and drop them to school or to the bus and then she'd pick them up and so Sam would come home with her. And when she said, we'd get home from the bus, dropping Ben at the bus, and the first thing he'd say, she said, she said I said to Sam, well, what do we do now, Sam? And he'd said, well, now we bake cakes because he just, that's practically all he'd known his whole life was seeing me like morning till night in the kitchen baking cakes. Oh. So, you know, it's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, oh, God, better, you know, move on and do something else to give my child a bit, bit of uh, <laughs> variety. <laughs> anyway. 
So yes, had a had a long stint there doing cakes and used to make macarons for some of the shops, cafe shops in Moree and Gundy and and whatnot. Um, in the end, I did end up um, selling my share of um, Nutmeg Home to my partner, and then I continued on doing the cakes, you know, from home with Erica for a bit. But then. Um, and then had a big health health sort of not a crisis but a like oh my god i've i'm going to end up with diabetes or something if i don't stop making all these cakes and eating it all as well so i better i better go i had a bit of a healthy uh, uh you know um what would you call it enlightenment <laughs> So I decided that I, well, at that stage too, um, we're going off on another tangent now, but that stage too, I had a good friend, Felicity, who I went to school with, who was having um, uh, troubles with her, uh, she has an autoimmune disorder called scleroderma. <clears throat> and so she was trying to, <clears throat> she was trying to eat um, food that was, you know, no gluten, no nightshades, no all all sorts of things to try to um, help with her symptoms that she's having, like joint pain and all of that. Anyway, so she, she was quite a foodie too. She started making uh, lots of um, recipes and things of her own and then that led to wanting to make a cookbook Um she had a one-year-old at the time, four kids, and the youngest was a one-year-old. Just like, oh, I don't quite know how I'm going to do this. And, yeah, I don't know either. I think you're going to need help. And goodness knows why. I must have been in a lull at that time because I said, well, I'll do it with you. I'll help and I'll get my sister on board. She's good at graphics and photography and all of this. And Flick also had a friend. So they ended up to be four of us that started Friendship Food, the cookbook, which was, um, you know, it was all the recipes in it were no gluten, no refined sugar, no dairy, no egg. What else? think that's four things yeah so all all the withouts everything without but um so that was a really fun experience um and then and we got we did some big trips with that when the book was out um like sort of touring around south southern queensland doing book launches and things and we even went to america uh, unbelievably and to a tv show there to um uh promote the book which was amazing so got a good trip out of that one (laughs) (laughs) um so I think at that time that was what spurred on the healthy eating thing seeing what flick was going through and then I think at the time I was probably 40 early 40s or something and having a few little digestive issues of my own and thinking I don't want to end up with an autoimmune disorder as well so I better you know clean up my act so to speak anyway um uh, that led to the making healthy treats for the health food store in town as opposed to macarons and, you know, wedding cakes and things like that. Um, But after a while, I I think I just gradually moved on from that as well. And it was getting closer to the time where um, I think Ben had probably already left to go to boarding school at that time. And Sam was due to go in 2017 and I started, 
I just started to have this overwhelming urge to like, God, I really need to get out a paintbrush and start painting because I had tried over the years to do it. And I, I started out in oils, but I found it so difficult just to pick that up, put it down and not, get, and then I wouldn't get back to it. That all dry out and, you know, that sort of thing. So I thought, gosh, if I'm ever going to do it, I, I did a few, I need to use acrylics. So I, I went and did a few workshops to sort of learn um, about using acrylics. And I laugh now because I hated them when I first tried to use them because they dried so quickly, especially in our climate here. And I couldn't, I was like, this was really disconcerting um, having used oils and you sort of got that longevity where you just blend things on the canvas. You can leave it and come back to it for a little bit. And anyway, I I thought when I, when Sam finally went to school boarding school in 2017 I thought right this is my chance I'm going to throw everything I've got into it so leading up to that I was trying to shed all my other responsibilities <laughs> to make room as I guess for this and I'd you know I'd had enough then of doing all the other things and I'd sort of you know, satisfied those urges, I suppose. Anyway, so he went off to school, but I, I didn't start straight away because I I just decided I needed a, a physical as well as a mental clean out. And so I, I spent the first whole term that he was at school going through the house with a fine tooth comb, cleaning everything out and getting rid of stuff. It was like a it was very cathartic, just getting rid of a heap of stuff. And then we had a big sale, got rid of everything and gave the rest to charity. And then I felt like, oh, okay, all right now I've got a clean house, haven't got any excess, now I can start. So I started out, um, we've got a little Atco in the um, little donga, whatever it is, in the backyard that had we just used as storage for things. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll clear myself a little space in that because there's nowhere really in the house that I could do it without making a mess. And I thought, well, that. It's kind of like going to work. It's not in the house. It's just slightly away from the house. It's, you know, you'll get to go to work. So I started out even just doing a few hours in the morning and then, you know, doing other things. But I I did it consistently enough to form a habit, which was really good. Um, and then, of course, after a while I was so just I was – you know, creating work and finishing works, and I started to get a bit of a pile up. Of course, nothing I I, I did at the time I thought was really any good, you know, because I was really early days experimenting, still finding my style. Um, but then I had a good friend who lived in Yalaban, Terry Ann. Shout out to her because she's the one that had, came up with the idea of doing a pop up shop in Gundawindi. That was at the end of that first year, two thousand seventeen. And I said, oh, why not? We may as well. I've got a bit of work here. Let's just see whether anyone is going to pay any money for it. Like, that would be amazing. <laughs> so we got about five or six artists together. Um, you would have met some of them probably when, or Leslie, the school yeah. teacher. But yeah. So um, Leslie, oh, I don't know if she actually did. We invited her. I don't know if she ended up putting anything in. But anyway, we had a few local artists. Some were ceramicists, some were painters, you know, good little variation, printmakers, that sort of thing. And we had our little pop-up shop. Um, it was about 
beginning of December that year for like two, two and a half weeks or something just before Christmas. Well, it was amazing. Like, honestly, I think it was novelty, obviously, for the community. So it was always fun. It's always fun to have something new pop up before Christmas, especially. Um, and this is pre-pandemic, of course, as well. So it was the market was still good. Um, it just went gangbusters. It was so good. And we all had so much fun doing it. We all just took turns in, you know, manning the store and that sort of thing. So it was a nice change from our daily routine, I guess. So much so that we did it again the next year. Um, and we found we actually, which went even better because we found a, um, a better shop that to pop up in, um, which was literally dead center of town. So that went even better and sold so much stuff, which was, I think it was, it was not so much that, Oh, I got all this money for my art. It was more of a validation that, you know, what a what you're on the right track. Like what you're doing is people are responding to it. They like it. I like doing it. You know, this is it was confirmation for the direction, I guess, that I was heading in. And it made me want to do better, you know, do better work. So I guess that that's that's how I got to there. And then ever since I've just been keeping on going, keeping on painting, really. I did give myself a a bit of a, a deadline. I thought, right, if I can paint out of that ATCO for at least a year, I deserve to have something better because then I've proved to myself that I'm serious about it. So we needed to get some things done around the house so we were going to have builders there. So I said to Michael, right, I'm going to build a studio for myself. Said, okay. <laughs> he fondly calls it the fodder shed because that's, you know, that's how he considers it to be or the farm considers that what it is. So um, there's not a lot of fodder getting stored in there. But um, <laughs> maybe one day when I'm not, when I'm dead and buried, there might be. <laughs> it's way too pretty for that. Yeah, I know, exactly. What a shame that would be. Anyway, so I've, I'm very lucky to have... Um, a sister and a brother-in-law who are both architects. So um, Dan Dan is a registered architect, architect and has his own business in uh, near Umundi. Um, I'm trying to think where that is, but uh, Pridgin, Pridgin Beach. Yes, Sunshine Coast. It's yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, Margot helps in his business, but she's um, pretty much full-time mum with the kids now. But Margot's the one I go to when I want anything done here because we just, you know, and we get Dan's input on what we're doing, um, but we just sort of sketch it all up by hand and just create. So she helped me do that and she's very good at, you know, it's just all the, I can draw everything up, but then I'm not very good at knowing all the exact ins and outs that the builder needs to know. Anyway, so I, I must say that post, I did put a post on, I think, when it was first built and that sort of thing. It's probably still to this day the most liked post that I ever had. Like, it's crazy. People, and I, people have asked me for the plans <laughs> and all of that so you know I can't really give out that you know that's the property of intellectual property I guess of Margot and Dan and myself anyway so it's pretty funny but yes people are so fascinated about artist studios mm -hmm. and I guess it's probably additionally so here because 
of where I am. Like it's literally this lovely modern sort of studio out in the middle of nowhere, which, you know, a lot of people can't get their head around where I live and we don't really feel like we're remote. It's just because I've grown up like this and this is where we are, have been for the last 23 years. And I find it to be necessary for me because it's spacious and it gives me mental space as well as, as, well as physical space. Um, but it comes with pros and cons, of course. You know, I don't have an art store, as you said, right down the road, so I have to be very organised. You know, there's no there's no courier that can come and pick up from me and I have to, you know, that's probably interesting for, well, a lot of other artists to know. How do you get your stuff, you know, from... A to B and how do uh, you? Yeah, well, it's taken. It took me quite a while to work out um, a, a good system. Um, everything that's when it's packed that's under one hundred and five centimeters, I can post. So, you know, I'm only ten minutes from Copper Creek, where we've got a an excellent postie. They're so so good, probably better than your average because they just have to be accommodating for all things to everyone. So uh, they're amazing and I just take everything down there. Um, If it's bigger than 105 centimetres when it's packed, I have to actually drive to Warrielda, which is at least 45 minutes, to drop it off where it would, if it's going to... New South Wales, um, nifties from Armadale come to Warrielda every day to, you know, service the area. And so I just literally leave it sitting outside McGregor's, our local, you know, ag, ag store, and they pick it up when they come to McGregor's to pick up whatever they're picking up from there. And then they will, you know, it then they put it on whichever next carrier it needs to go to to get to wherever in New South Wales. But if it's going to anywhere in the rest of the country, um, I get nifties to then drop it at um, Combined Freight in Inverell and then they put it on the, it might be TNT or mostly TNT probably to who'll take it to wherever else in the country. So it's like a little hop, skip, jump over this, over that. <laughs> to yeah, that would have taken a while to figure all yes. of that out. Yes. And interestingly, like you would think, I mean, all the little bits add up. Like we've got to pay nifties to get it to just to go from Warrior Elder to in Varel, um, it costs me fuel to get drive my car from home to Warrielda and then time because, you know, then you end up, well, it's a 45-minute drive, you do all these other things while you're there, it's half the day is gone by the time you get home. Uh, then there's the cost, you know, I've got to pay combined, you know, if they're sending it pay to for them to pay TNT, you know, all of these things. So it all adds up um, and I suppose people sort of wonder why, you know, probably wonder why artworks can be so expensive. Well, that's why, because you've you've got to factor in freight because I have to do, uh, you know, on my website all the originals are freights included because that's the way greenhouse works mm-hmm. is that it's free shipping. So you 
and you can't, you know, you can't afford to give free shipping and still make money on your artwork. So you have to factor it in. Um, so that's probably a good segue into greenhouse because I haven't yes. mentioned them, which, you know, I think in your questions you had like, you know, um, biggest things that have happened in your career, that sort of thing. And that was one of them was having greenhouse find me. Like that was amazing and uh, quite a game changer. I think I was staying at your house when it happened, when you got the email. Were you? I think so. I can't remember that. Or it must be very close too, if not. Wow. Because I remember I got, Julia sent me a a direct message on my Instagram. And I, uh, of course, I'd been following Greenhouse for ages and Jumble and all of those. And you just, you know, as an artist, budding artist, you sort of aspire to be, you know, in their stable, I guess you'd say, or discovered or whatnot, or at least submit something to try and, and you know, become part of that group. Um, because I guess I always knew that my type of art that I was making was along those lines where it's it matches, you know, it's interior art really, you know, um, that's where it works well, it's where the customers that respond to my art are, you know, that sort of thing. Anyway, I remember on the night that I don't think you were here that night when I first got the DM, but maybe when I got an email later, because I remember thinking to myself, Mick, it was sort of evening and I think Mick had gone to bed early or something. And I remember being so excited, like I was out of my skin excited that I actually did that little happy dance, like to myself. <laughs> And then I, I went into the bedroom to say, guess what's happened? And he was asleep. And I thought, well, I can't really wake him up besides the fact that he won't even know who greenhouse interiors are. <laughs> so it would be a bit of a letdown if I tell him. Anyway, so I think I probably poured myself a wine at the time and had a little, you know, me celebration, which was because it was uh, career changing to have that happen. Yeah, I'm dying to know more about it because when I was there, I remember thinking because I spent I think one or two nights at your house while we were working on the mural and on one of the days you were were talking about Greenhouse so you must have already spoken to them and you must have gotten the email through and I remember you getting it through and you were just like giddy and I was like, who's Greenhouse? (laughs) Obviously my target market is very different to your target market. Yes. Um, (laughs) And then I've seen slowly all these really prolific talented artists getting picked up by greenhouse interiors and they just go like yes. their career just takes off and yes. I, was like, I now know who greenhouse is <laughs> but I remember yes. also when I was staying there your phone kept going like bing and you're like oh I just sold an artwork oh, and then the okay. next day bing just sold an artwork and I was like Oh my goodness, I need to buy something of Kate's quick before, they all, <laughs> before she gets super famous and I won't be able to afford one. <laughs> oh that's funny isn't it oh isn't it honestly we just all it's funny how that psyche goes isn't it it's a bit of FOMO the fear of missing out on something you know when you just think everybody's in on it I've got to get in on it you know I don't want to miss out so tell me about greenhouse interiors because I feel like since you've joined up with them like your Instagram has just you've just like got a million people no not a million you've got 30,000 on there I checked the other day (laughs) yes um yeah. And like your work selling like hotcakes, it seems like. Yeah. Well, so in the beginning, uh, I think they contacted me because I think we did, we were working on that mural, would have been uh, September or, yeah, because I think they might have contacted me 
Well, definitely a few months before November because November 2019 was when I had my launch with them. And so I think I had about, I don't know, 12 works or something like that. So, of course, she contacted me before, so I had to have time to make the collection, that sort of thing. Um, But, yeah, that was really exciting because, I mean, my Instagram, I can't remember how many followers I had before she came on the scene, but it wouldn't have been much, certainly only in like 2000 at the very most, I can imagine. And, yeah, once that happened, it was... um, again, pre-pandemic and market was good and being a new thing, you know. So that launch, I think my family couldn't believe it. So, yeah, just immediately the minute it went to sale, things were like ping, 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 sold another one, sold another one. And my family started to go, oh, my God, what is happening? I was like, yeah, I don't know, this is crazy. And it was kind of good for my family to witness that too because it sort of made them sit up and take notice and go, mm, well, this isn't just a hobby anymore. This is like a real thing, Mum. Wow. So that was kind of nice and that more validation, of course. Don't we just need it all the time? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from there we just, you know, kept on. I just thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to up my game here to keep up with the demand. And so I just was very rigorous in my um, practice, I guess, for, you know, just making sure that I was in a good routine every morning. It would be, right, do everything you need to do in the house before 9.30, 10 o'clock, make sure you're at the studio at 10. Paint for a few hours, go and have lunch, go back again, you know, paint some more. So I was probably averaging five, maybe six hours a day, you know, just as well as all the other things that you have to do, you know, as any working mum will tell you, except that most people I think look at artists and don't consider it to be a real, including your family, don't really think it's a job as such. You know, they sort of think that's a hobby and you just fit it in around all the other more important things. But at some point, it becomes more important to do the hobby, you know, and it turns into a business. So you then have to, you know, you have to then keep on keeping on. So it kind of create a monster, really. And especially with all the social media that goes along with it, especially with Greenhouse, because at that time, Greenhouse was only online. So she had built up this amazing, huge following, like it was under 200,000, I think, when I first joined her. But since then, it's way over 200,000 followers. And everything about her business was online. Like they didn't have a um, a store or a place that they kept stock of anything. You know, it went directly from the maker to, you know, the customer. Um so then I oh, just really feel for Julia um, and Adam because they then, you know, I think they'd been thinking for years about having a, a bricks and mortar store. And unfortunately for them, when they finally jumped in and decided to do it and then the the pandemic happened, you know, it was like, oh, and they were too far in, you know, it, 
had to keep going with it. So I really feel for them because that was really difficult. But now they have this beautiful store in Geelong, which is uh, just wonderful for all of us artists to have, the, you know, upstairs they've got this amazing gallery space. And so we get the best of both worlds now. We've got this huge online support through, um, you know, socials through Greenhouse, and then we've got an actual physical place that we sometimes send our work, not all of our work, you know, various things happen throughout the year. She's always very proactive on having group exhibitions, solo exhibitions, little specialist exhibitions like minis for Christmas or whatever. So I try try not to plan too many things in my year that aren't greenhouse, maybe two things, because there's so much commitment involved if you really want to take advantage of everything she's got to offer, which is a lot. You know, you just need to be factoring that in, go, well, I know I'm going to be creating work for several shoots this year, a couple of group exhibitions, you know, or more, that sort of thing, um, as well as maybe a solo. Yeah. So so would you say, if you don't mind me asking this, you can (laughs) not answer it if you don't want to, that's totally fine. But do you mind me asking, would you say that the majority of your profit for your business comes through Greenhouse? Um, initially it did, but now I've sort of, I've probably branched out a bit and I've got fingers in many pies, I suppose you'd say. So things come from everywhere and sometimes unexpectedly so. Like I might have, when I was overseas in the middle of last year, for some reason, um, you know, I always try to put some work with um, a store in Toowoomba called The Storeroom. Um, she's a great friend of mine and I've sort of been with her since the beginning of her opening and she had a run of things and sold three, four, five things, you know, over the space of a month or more. And, I, you know, so it's good to have things in various places because when one isn't performing, the other one will surprise you and, you know, and you need to have, um, you know, if you're going to do it all the time, you need to have a constant income to pay the bills of, you know, the printer who's printing, the framer who's framing things and making canvases for you and all the other little things that go with it. Um, but I've got, you know, um, storing Nutmeg Home in Gundawindi, who always stocks things for me. Um, yeah, the storeroom. Um, where else? Mm. I had a look on your website. They're all on there and it looks amazing. <laughs> uh, one of my questions was how do you get stocked in so many amazing stores well I don't think I do have so many oh jumbled might still be on there but I haven't done anything with jumbled for quite a while I did so initially that was a little bit tricky because Julia from Greenhouse found me first and then I was with Julia and at the time I think um jumbled had to buy my work through Julia which was a little bit difficult for them. So I think um, Pip's gone on to create more of her own thing and own stable of artists, which is yeah, uh, totally understandable. So I haven't really had a lot of work in Jumble for quite a while. Um, who else have I got there? Oh, recent and Crate Expectations. Yeah, Crate Expectations. Well, they were as a result of Greenhouse. Again, okay. they, they have to buy my work through Greenhouse. So these are a lot of those uh, stores sort of came, popped up when I was first with Greenhouse and they would buy a lot of um, prints, like Reese and Reese. Yeah, still buy a lot of prints, which is really good. Um, 
so all through um, through Greenhouse because they're a trade customer of Greenhouse. So that's been great because, yes, it gets you out in more of these fabulous stores because they're all so wonderful at, you know, styling everything and making it look amazing. Um, but I must say, obviously, the big elephant in the room is, you know, what COVID did to us all and it really was it was like having a heyday for artists at the time because we were all madly not only busy at home being able to stay at home and work and have no other interruptions, which was just as well because everybody else was then buying like mad. It was crazy. Just couldn't really keep up. The demand was quite insatiable. Um, You know, I'd be working my studio and, and finish a painting and then, text Julia a photo of it and it she will have sold it by the time I'd walk back to the house for lunch like it was that crazy so I mean but you can only in a way you can only keep that up for so long really and in a way I was it was a bit of a relief when things started to slow down a little bit mind you we don't wish that to go on forever because you know we've all got businesses to run and bills to pay and that sort of thing so it is a little bit sad that things are um the market's pretty slow at the moment for everybody you know galleries you know agents whoever artists if you're selling direct it's all become that much harder but so has the cost of living so you can't blame people really but I think you mentioned before diversifying your income so you've got several different income sources and that really helps out I feel if you've got bits coming in from everywhere yeah so I guess, well, that I should tell you about the, well, you would know about the fabric. So that's yeah. my latest thing. And this is the thing. It's just doing all these different things too and collaborations and, and whatnot. It's it's a, doing, um, I guess you say, having a variety of things on offer for your customer. There's only a certain people who buy artwork, you know, um, costly original artwork to hang in their home for whatever reason they might be a collector or just love your work or want to decorate you know the space above the couch or what have you but not everyone so there's that market then there's the people that like to buy prints because maybe that's more within their budget um, or then you've got people who are uh, like to buy the cushion you know, or the lampshade or something like that. So, or a soap or a candle. And, you know, there's all these things. So I've been very lucky that I've had, I guess my husband always says, luck's not, it's what you make, you know, it's preparation and planning equals luck, which is very, very right about that. And I guess to an extent, I am super organized and I I make sure that I, I have things in place so that when opportunities do come up, you know, you're ready for them and you're ready so you can jump on it straight away and provide, you know, whatever that person needs to make it happen. So, for example, you know, the storeroom contacted me earlier last year about doing a collaboration with making a candle because they have um they sell mirabu candles in their store and they're a um rural australian uh, you know maker of candles and they were one of their first um items that the storeroom sold and i was their first artist that they sold in store so they wanted to marry up the two and do a a candle that um 
you know, sort of encompassed all three of us, um, which was so lovely. And it was easy for me. This is the whole thing about collaborations is you've done the work already, having done the artwork. And as long as you've made sure that you've scanned the artwork, so, and that's another thing, but, you know, knowing what to scan. But I... I always make sure I have artworks that are scanned that can be sold as a print or then you've got the high-res image so you can use for exactly this thing, which is, you know, I all I had to do was provide them with a little sign here, this is the artwork, here's the high-res image once you've signed on the dotted line and then you can use it and all I need to know is, you know, come back to me when you've got a design that I can sign off and say, yes, I like it, it's good, um, and the ability to make some changes if I needed to. But, of course, it was all wonderful, and I said, yep, perfect. So, you know, didn't require a lot of work on my behalf. I mean, I'm not I'm not getting a royalty out of that or anything because I prefer to do um, – there's lots of different ways you can do it, but I prefer to do it up front, you know, sort of flat fee to – that's my payment for that particular thing. And then because a lot of the time with – these things, you know, with I did a collaboration with Arlington Mill, you know, with the clothing and that sort of thing. It's very when it's a small business and it's an indent order and they don't know how much they're going to sell, you know, you can't ask them to do a royalty on what they don't know they're going to sell, you know, that sort of thing. So, but anyway, it's definitely worth um, looking into collaborations it's just an extra little sideline thing that might get you some a little bit of extra income but and it will get you some exposure and new customers and that's the thing I mean that new customer that invests 50 bucks in a candle then might love it so much that they come back you know three years later and buy a three thousand dollar original so you just don't know that's exactly it the more people are seeing your art the better yeah, exactly. And I just, it makes me feel good that, um, you know, even the, the soap's another thing too. It was just a local um, gun to Windy Cotton. We did a little soap in a box, you know, with my artwork on the box. And that's like, I don't know, 15 bucks or less. It's nice that I think, well, the person who really wants the original or wants some of my work but can't afford the original can have for 15 bucks some part of it, you know, that they can enjoy, which I, I just find that's important to me that everybody can have a little bit if they want it. And I think your husband's right. It's definitely not luck. Uh, you, out of most of the artists that I've met, have one of the most entrepreneurial brains and you make really smart calculated decisions with your art like a, mm. I, feel well, like- I, suppose, I don't know about how calculated it is it's, but I tend to get overexcited about a lot of things and just say yes before I think about it too much um, <laughs> then if I say yes you see then I have to follow it through <laughs> so what do you think you know you spoke about shipping being pretty difficult but what are some of the other challenges that you have around being a creative um, yeah, I think having to be a one-man band. So as we spoke about right in the beginning, it's like I'm starting, I mean, I'm over 50. My bones are starting to creak. I need to be thinking about, well, I'd like to be painting until I die. You know, I'm not going to retire from it. So how am I going to cope when I'm 70 with packing big artworks and getting them off? I need to start thinking about that. So I think it's that is at the moment, it's having to be a one-man band. So where possible, you should always try to um, source someone else to do things that you're not great at. So for me, that 
Um, I mean, I can do them, but there's I'm better at painting, so I should devote more of my time to painting and less to all the other things. So I have Laura to help me with the newsletters and doing things on the website that I would take me ages to work out how to do. So I pay her to do those things and it frees me up. Um, yeah, I think there's so much that people don't see that goes on behind the scenes to make the art business, you know, to sell that. It's it's all the ordering of suppliers and getting things here and um, having to be a social media expert, you know, because even if you were represented by a gallery, you still have to be, in most cases, across both things, you know, and that means you have to learn all of this stuff about how to make a reel, how to do certain, like this today, I'm... I was flummoxed because I was going, oh, my God, I've done reels. over. Where's my voiceover button gone? Where the hell's it disappeared to? Like, And, you know, it took me ages and many, many goes to realise, oh, okay, I've, I need to just swipe up and that's going to enlarge it to the screen where I can find the little music note button, which then in turn lets me see the voiceover button. It's like... <laughs> You know, all those crazy things because, of course, Instagram keeps changing things all the time. So you have to be across all of that. Um, you know, you have to be a marketing guru. You have to be on top of your accounts, um, customer relations. You know, you, you're speaking directly to your customers all the time now, which I guess could lead me into all of this. Um, oh, besides that, gosh, yes, being a packer, a courier, and graphic designer, you know, thank God we've got things like Canva. I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, though, because you have to, once upon a time, you just have to outsource and pay the graphic designer. But now you can do it yourself. You you sort of go, I should do it myself. But then it's it's a lot of, if you don't know how to do it well, it can take a lot of time. That's true. That's <laughs> true. You- I'm at your website today and it is amazing. Do you maintain well, and craft your website yourself? Well, it's a bit of a two of us involved in that. Um, so Laura wasn't the one that set it up, but she was, she's the one that sort of goes into the back end and um, does things if I need to. And she's sort of in charge of, like, for example, if I've got a new print that needs to go in the shop, that requires a little bit more than just adding a product um, because adding an original is easy and I do all of those because you don't have to do anything with the shipping because the shipping's included. It's free shipping. So... Well, it's not free, it's included. But um, the prints are a different matter because then you've got all these different sizes and you have to, it's a little bit tricky and monotonous. You have to go in and make sure you've entered each size and whether it's canvas or paper and all sorts of things and how many, you know, you've got and all that sort of stuff and then shipping to marry up to that so that it, charges the customer shipping instead of giving them away for, you know, free shipping for everything, which has sometimes happened, mind you, I've received orders and then go, oh, my God, this person hasn't paid any shipping for this print. Oh, now, gee, that's embarrassing. Now I'm going to have to go and ask them to pay. Most people are very lovely, though. And so obviously there's something that's been missed or a glitch where I have the emergency call to Laura going, oh, my God quick you're gonna go in and fix this because is that all drop shipping so it's all sent off to somewhere like printify and 
Yeah. Uh, so I use Left Bank Art Group, which oh, yeah. were at Southport at the coast, which was very handy when the boys were at school. But now they've moved um, because of COVID, their business just boomed. They've moved out to a huge big warehouse halfway between the coast and Brisbane at Luscombe. Okay. So a little bit harder for me to get to. So that's another thing is people probably wouldn't realise is that I spend quite a bit of my time when I go on a trip to Brisbane or the coast, I will have to head off via you know and, and visit left bank to drop off artwork to be scanned or pick up things and that's a you know it's a bit of a detour to have to do that so that requires a fair bit of planning ahead um that mm-hmm. sort of thing so yes all that they do all my paper and canvas prints and just drop the ship them straight to the customer which is amazing i do have a guy um, my local guy in gundawindi wayne pratt is amazing he does all my framing and makes all my canvases um, to order so that's really good and he did do prints early on for me because he can print there but he can't do the drop ship for me so I was just finding that was another step for me to do which you know I may as well have left bank doing all the prints and not having had to do that step myself because um, mm. they just do it so well but they also speaking of fabrics is they got this whiz bang huge big new machine in a while back which is print small runs of fabric so I always when they got that I thought yes that's so good I love fabrics I'm going to do my own one day so the fabric I have now which was just released before Christmas was it took it probably took a year to have that come to fruition which is another thing that people wouldn't realize because the artwork I created that what was last year? 2023. So late 2022, I painted the artwork and um, I did get it scanned and that that can take six weeks really to do a full scan, colour match, all that sort of thing. Um, and then I thought to myself, yeah, I really think this one's going to suit an overall fabric design for interiors so I just poked away at it at it you know kept kept sort of sending it to left bank going okay this is what I think I need done because they've got the um, staff in-house that can do pattern make your artwork into a pattern repeat uh-huh. so they're kind of like a one-stop shop which is amazing mind you I did um in my limited techno uh, uh, um what would you say my limited knowledge of technology I sort of used I think it was Canva I used to piece together sections of the you know I had a picture of the artwork and then I copied that picture and made another one and switched it upside down turned it around and joined it up where I thought so I had this kind of collage of that artwork that I then sent to Left Bank and said, can you make this into this kind of pattern repeat? Anyway, so there was a lot of toing and froing with that um, until we got what we thought was right. Um, and I said, yep, okay, we're good to go now. And then you do a strike off. So you just get them to print, choose one of their fabrics and get them to print a metre or, or something on that. And then you check it and then maybe there's changes or whatnot. In this case, we were very happy with the first strike off that came out and was like, yay. And so after that, once that all is all done, that's all the hard part. And then you've got the reward of being able to just 
print off fabric at will, you know, and they do small runs. So I'm just in the process of putting all the photographs of the fabrics onto my website shop so that people can order them directly and see it's it's a, just like ordering a canvas or paper print because so you just they can um literally print one meter minimum to order yeah and then drop ship it so mm. so if you want to have a cushion you just buy a meter of fabric i mean you have to obviously allow a few weeks for that to be printed and get to you but then you just can do what you like with it. And I really like that idea too. It's another way of making things available to people in however they want to use it. You know, it's the make something lovely out of it. And you can um, test the market with it too. So if you get a meter, you can make yeah. a couple of cushions. Yeah. See how it goes at your next pop-up shop. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even need to do that because some of the stores are doing it for me. And this is the other thing is that like Nutmeg Home, for example, and the storeroom, they both bought some metres of the fabric and they have their own people that make lampshades and cushions and stuff. So they've said they just buy the fabric from me and then they've, you know, gone off and made up their own things because the tricky part that I've discovered in all of this when I was doing, I thought, yeah, I want to make a tablecloth. Well, bit of a learning curve because you're trying to compete with, um, you know, the big companies like Bonnie and Neil and, you know, Sade and Claire and all those people, uh, their products are wonderful, beautiful, but they've got quantity. So they're making offshore. They're, you know, their costs are way down. If you want to get a tablecloth made in Australia, you're going to pay more. You know, A, the fabric's Australian, the printing is Australian, then the making is Australian, and we all know how all of that goes. It all adds up to much more than made offshore. But I just, I thought, no, I'm going to go ahead with it because it made, it means that the tablecloth is up there in terms of, you know, it's $325 for a tablecloth, which is not cheap. But if you think about it in terms of, I'm getting an original Kate Owen artwork that covers my, you know, 2.5 metre table for less than it would cost to buy an original. You know, I guess if you think about it like that, then it's, you know, it, it makes sense. I couldn't, I wanted to do, you know, a much bigger tablecloth and napkins and all of that. I couldn't make it work because the there was no, uh, just not enough markup left in it to make it worth the trouble and also I wanted to be able to sell them wholesale to the stores but I couldn't do that because there's no room in it for a a wholesale margin so I yeah you just it would make if I went to if I wholesaled it you know the retail price would skyrocket out to like 500 bucks or something so that's just you know so luckily we can sell direct and I'm just going to you know the tablecloths now are I did a bunch before Christmas and, you know, that was great because I started them on pre-order. By the time they were printed, you know, most of them had been sold. So now I'll just go, I'll just keep that process going where like I've got stock of a couple now and they're for sale on the website. Yeah. Um, but the other ones that have sold on or have sold out are now just you can pre-order them. So when I do the next batch, so it'll probably be March when I get more stock, you know, and I find that most of the time people are happy to wait, you know, for however long if they're going to make a big purchase like that. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so can you tell me about your subscription as well? You said yes. we tried, I tried to book you in today and you were like, no, I'm painting for my subscribers. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, how do I get on and be a subscriber? <laughs> I want to see you painting. Tell us about it. Oh, you'll have to subscribe now. <laughs> uh, I subscribe to your mailing list. Oh, uh, yes, you do, you do. Um, and that's another, oh, gosh, there's so many different things. It's really hard to, I, I found that towards the end of last year my head was nearly going to explode because of course I started this Instagram subscription um, probably November I think it was. How that all came about was that Sammy and I had been talking about how he was going to come home for late last year when he didn't have uni and he was going to do some work for me and I said well that's good because I've been thinking about doing some paid member pages like on the website that you know a couple of tiers where people could um you know be like patreon or Substack or something you subscribe to someone and you either get a free thing and this is what you get or you pay a few bucks and this is what you get or you pay the top dollar and you get everything so I was thinking about doing that and I said to him well that's good because if I have you home we can start filming content for all of this anyway in the meantime Instagram subscriptions popped up and I went oh this is a new thing. Ah, okay. Maybe I should just give this a go um, while we're doing, you know, because I fully expected the other would take me probably a year to get off the ground. Um, and I, so I just jumped straight in and do it because I could see that my, usually, you know, Mag, Maggie McDonald, who yes. I also met at Art Lovers Conference that same year. So she's been a great inspiration to me because she is very on the ball with her marketing and all of that. So I take a lot of cues from Maggie. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> she knows everything there is to know, I think, about social media. Um, so I could see that Maggie had done a few others and I thought, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. Anyway, jump straight into it. It's one of the classic examples of, you know, saying yes now and then having to figure it out uh, later after the fact. <laughs> so anyway, I, I sort of fumbled through it a bit for the first, you know, till Christmas and just was figuring out how to post and just post them a bit randomly of just all that stuff that I guess that I've been putting on Instagram for five years now for free, which is, uh, you know, videos of my process and how I'm doing this and how I'm painting and whatnot, um, which, you know, is all good and well, but it does take a lot of time out of your day and, you know, to remember to turn the camera on, film things specifically that so people can see what you're doing, all that sort of stuff, which, you know, does disrupt your process a lot. You know, sometimes it's I, I have to go over there and just go, I'm not filming anything today. I'm just having a me day where it's just me and the paint, that's it. But, you know, for the most part, because we all sell direct and because we rely on Instagram for that, we have to do this necessary part of the process. Um, but it is kind of nice now that with the paid subscriptions, you've got people who are really committed, who really want to see what you're doing in depth that are willing to pay, which means that you just, you're getting a little, and this comes back to diversifying where your income's coming from you know it's every little bit helps and of course when you start out you might only have a few subscribers and they might only be paying five bucks or eight bucks or whatever it is you 
uh, a month, which doesn't sound like much, but once you get volume and you get up to, you know, 50 subscribers a month, then suddenly you're making a nice little sum that's at least covering your time and energy that you to do all of that stuff. So, um, and besides all of that, it's a way for me primarily I decided that these kinds of things were good for me to do because it's very hard for me to hold a workshop here because I'm so far away from everybody. And, you know, I have lots of overseas people, artists who follow me who want to see the process. They're not going to be able to get here. And I couldn't, you know, I'm not about, I can't travel over there to do a workshop. I can barely get myself, you know, anywhere in Australia to do a workshop. I've found that I've been asked and I've done a couple and it's just been difficult logistically for me. So this way it it suits my practice, my location, all of that. And it's you just letting your community in, you know, to your space. And I think then you know who you're talking to is really have a vested interested interest in you, in your practice and their own. They're obviously, you know, paid to so they can learn from you, which I think is really good, you know. Um people would probably say, Aren't you worried about people copying you? This is another thing. <laughs> And okay, you know what? Sure. There's I've come across many, you know, artists on Instagram that I've even had that look a bit similar to mine. That I've had friends send me things in great concern for me, going, Oh my God, this person's doing work like yours, you know. But at the end of the day, I can recognize that it's not my work. And Fortunately, you know, touch wood, I haven't had any of those print companies rip me off and change the colours and do all of that yet, but, you know, it'll probably happen one day. But, you know, um, it's happened to a lot of other artists and that's just, you know, a downside. But as far as, you know, the people that I'm teaching, um, you know, copying me, I, I think the relationship's a bit too, you know, when you're in close contact with someone like that, hopefully you think the relationship is respectful on both parties that that's not going to happen you can certainly see the influence but i think there's i paint so intuitively that for most people it's going to be pretty difficult to actually <laughs> follow because a lot of the time there's not really a recipe you know to the end product so uh i guess the way i paint's probably a certain amount of safeguard in that uh, yeah, your works are very authentically you and yeah. even if someone does try and copy, the, there's so much, you know, at the beginning you told us about your career up until now, there's all of that career that you've had yes. and yes. all of that, everything you know and everything you've worked for and how yeah. entrepreneurial you are, all of that is in your work and no one can copy Well, that. it makes up the person, doesn't it? And then it's the person yeah. that makes the work. So everyone's so individual in that respect. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And people just genuinely want to learn. It seems to be the yeah. learning society at the moment, you know. Definitely, yes. So yeah. that's the thing is that, you know, that's a big important thing is to recognise uh, what's happening, like I guess the environment at the time because at the moment the market for selling is down. Mm -hmm. And so if you've got your you're straddling across, yes, I'm selling direct to the public, I'm selling things, but I'm also teaching, you know, you've got a foot in both camps so that when one is down, the other might be good. 
you know, and that will hopefully hold you in good stead. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's always, our industry is always going to ebb and flow. It's never going to be this constant income that just sits nicely forever. That never happens. Even successful, like uber, uber, uber successful artists. Well, because art is a, it's a luxury want, not a Mm. need, you know. I well, some would argue. My husband would probably argue because I filled our house up with so much art and he, I always tell him I need it for my mental health. <laughs> but, you know, you could argue that it's a need for <laughs> some people. Anyway, well, I've skipped through a couple of questions because you have given us just so much amazing information. Are there sorry, any? I've oh, probably babbled too much on. No, not at all. It's I'm like taking notes, writing it down. I have so many questions. Hey, I do have one quick question. You know, the book that you said that you created were part of Oh, yes. Do you get royalties from that or did you get paid Uh, to do the work? We self-published. We Uh self-published it. So we got a certain number of books made and then it was off our own bat. We had to sell them. So, yeah, no, we don't. No more royalties there. It was Uh just whatever we sold at the time. And then, unfortunately, it was... We just all, you know, moved on to we had other priorities became important and, uh, you know, we just all sort of moved on. We thought, no, nah, okay, that's we're not going to pursue it. So we didn't keep on with it. Yeah. Yeah. The great thing is if someone comes to you now and says, hey, I have a great idea for a book, you'll be like, Shut up. I know how to do that. <laughs> Well, I certainly will have. I've been through the ringer once with self-publishing, so I certainly would know um, my questions to ask about how it was going to be done and I would be wanting someone who knew exactly what they were doing and wouldn't, you know, less work for me in that regard because it's a pretty hard thing to self-publish your own book. Oh, yes, I could imagine. So would you have any amazing advice for artists that are up and coming? Ooh, amazing advice. I don't know how amazing it would be, but... um, I feel like you've fed us, like, good chunks of amazing advice all through the interview, like diversification and... (laughs) Yeah, let me have a look. I did write some notes about this, so I'll just have a look at them and see if I've missed anything. Uh, well, I kind of did say this, but if, uh, if you want to get things done, say you're going to do it and then follow through. So mm-hmm. literally, if you make yourself a rule, if I say I'm going to do it, that means I have to do it. So, yeah, don't say it unless you're serious. Um, just start. That was always one of my things is that, you know, people have to say, oh, God, how do you get started? You know, it's like, well, just start. Just pretend that you're having a play date with yourself and that it's not for anyone else and just go, I'm just going to go over to the studio and have a play and just start, you know, slap something on, even if it looks as ugly as anything. It's just a start. So I did have actually one of my paid subscribers, one of the first questions that came up was, how do you start a painting? <laughs> So, which, good question, you know, you attack the white canvas or whatever it may be. And so that was one of my first little uh, subscriber videos was me starting a painting to literally show them that it is literally just splashing paint on anyhow and that kind of takes the fear out of it once you've got something down, you know. And once you've started, again, comes back to number one, then you got to follow through. If you started, you may as well keep going then. Um, I mean, certainly there are works. You get stuck. And I've got various 
um, you know, methods that I use if I get stuck, like I'll revert to collage, cutting collage pieces just to be doing something while I'm kind of stewing over it. You know, sometimes I would, if I'm really stuck, put it away and then come back to it ages later with a fresh eyes, paint over it if you're really angry with it, you know, all sorts of things. There's only paint you can, and you can always start again. Yeah, that's it. That's um, great advice. My, my other big important one would probably be plan, be organised, plan ahead for everything. Like beginning of the year for me is a big thing of planning what's coming up in the year and when and for those things, what's expected of me. Will I be wanting to, any of those artworks, will I be wanting to scan them to make them into prints? And if so, it means that I need to have that work finished two months before or six weeks at least before, be able to allow time to get it to the printer, which for me is a six-hour drive, you know, which means organising a trip. So all these things have to align and that means that that work needs to have been scanned and colour matched and then either they send it or I have to send it to get to wherever it's got to go in time for that person to then hang it. And so that we're talking months ahead. So, you know, this is why you really have to plan. What am I going to do this year? When's it going to be? Work backwards from there. When do I have to have the work to the person? That means when do I have to have the work completed? Which pieces am I going to scan? Okay, they have to come first. And, you know, although it's... All good in theory, but of course, when you work intuitively, your first works might be the ones that you don't want to scan. <laughs> so, you know, I fortunately have a very good working relationship with Left Bank. That's why I uh, always pay your bills on time all the time so that they treat you as number one customer when you need something in a hurry. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's great bills, advice. You won't get it in a hurry. So, talking yeah. about your planning, can you tell us what you've got happening? Oh, well, yes, a um, few exciting things. So I did get a call before Christmas from Mitchell English and his wife Chelsea who own Acadia, uh, Acadia Street Gallery in Nooseville. Uh, they are going to be um, doing the Affordable Art Fair in Brisbane this year in May. So they've asked me if I'll be part of their group for that, which is very exciting because I haven't taken part in an affordable art fair before or any fair to be exact. Um, so that'll be a really great experience. And yeah, I really like their gallery and what they do. So we'll, and I've met Mitchell because he's another greenhouse artist. So that'll be fun. He's a great guy and his wife is lovely too. She runs the gallery. So that's May. Um, so really I'm starting to think about stuff for that already. Um, and then I've got, I've booked myself a pop-up shop to do in um, La Trobe Art Space, which is part of Lethbridge Gallery in Brisbane, yeah. because I could see Kate Quinn doing that last year. And it was a bit similar to what I, I did have a little pop-up type thing like that as part of the Finite Gallery a couple of years ago where, the you know, Tracy Murray and, oh, Teal and uh, what's the other girl's name? Oh, I've forgotten her name. Um, three of them put did a pop-up gallery in Paddington in Brisbane and I did have an exhibition for a week there and that went really well because I 
it's going to be quite a bit of Brisbane focus this year, but that's good because a lot of my customers, because of Greenhouse, are down south. So, you know, it, and it, it's good to just branch out into Brisbane, which is closer to me anyway. So it's a bit handier. So that'll be in for a week in August, about mid-August. So they are my two main exhibitions, I suppose you'd call them, this year. But it remains to be seen whether I'll have another solo with Greenhouse, maybe. I don't know yet. Have to be asked for that one. Um, But there's certainly already we know of a couple of group exhibitions for Greenhouse. Um, So can't remember off the top of my head when they are at. But yeah, I think I'm happy with that because so many things come up with Greenhouse that I just need to make sure I allow enough time for all of that. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, you've got to be careful to not take on too many things. Like I've learned the hard way in the past because at the moment I'm struggling a little bit with ageing parents, as we probably all are, and, and needing to do a lot of things for them. So that takes time away from painting as well. So you kind of have to factor that in these days as well. Anyways, yeah, and this week where... I wholeheartedly agree with you that it's 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 mm. been a week. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So that brings me to probably the last piece of advice is, well, there's a couple of others, but to say no that what to what doesn't suit you. Like it's okay to say no to stuff, you know, because ultimately if you spread yourself too thin, you're not going to be doing anyone any favours, least of all yourself. Yeah. So that's you know. good advice. I thought you were going to say last bit of advice, put your parents in a home. <laughs> well, that could work too. I certainly feel like perhaps doing that with mine at the moment, but I'm sure they wouldn't agree. <laughs> Final advice, put all your yeah. parents in a nursing home. <laughs> and send your kids to boarding school. Yeah, kids to boarding school, parents to nursing yeah. home, yeah. get more hours to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, um, I guess there's probably one other thing that I would say with regards to being organised and planning ahead is make sure that you know, when you feel that you're ready, get a good photographer in regularly, at least once a year to take good photos so that you've got photos of yourself, headshots, various things, and photos of you with your work in your studio that you've got on hand ready because anytime you get an opportunity, you might get a magazine that calls you up and says, I've got a spot, last minute spot, that we need an artist's work in, have you got anything? And you either will be able to say yes or no. <laughs> and if you can say yes, you'll get the gig. So, you know, and if you are always prompt in an- answering those kinds of emails with the information straight away and all of the information, then, you know, they'll probably come back and ask you again. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that happens too. I've found that being part of Art Lovers Australia, I get random emails from a couple of the magazines saying, hey, just quickly, can you send us through? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I feel like you're talking to me directly there because I'm still using bio photos from like 12 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And even though I look very youthful. um, You still look youthful. Don't worry. I have a filter on YouTube and whatever I use most of the time. So, <laughs> but I feel like um, my artwork has evolved a little bit. So I probably yeah. need to update that. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'll, I'll do, I'll link to your uh, your website and Instagram so yeah, that people yeah. can see your sponsorship. 
or your yeah. subscription. And yeah. obviously they need to check out your website, but it, it is so beautiful. It's so oh, easy to navigate. I'm glad you say that because I feel like, gosh, it's nothing much has changed on it, you know, with regard to the look of it since it was built, which is now way back in probably 2018. So that's going pretty well then. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I look at a lot of artists' websites and yours, perfect. It was so easy to navigate and I was like, oh, my goodness, she's been on all these magazines. Oh, my goodness, the Ah. stockers. Oh, my goodness, I need to buy her art. I need to buy her art. (laughs) (laughs) It's working, Kate. Keep going. (laughs) Is there anywhere else that you'd like me to link to in the show notes? Oh, no, I don't think so. That's okay. I mean, I guess you could link. Why don't you link it to Greenhouse as well? Greenhouse, Great idea. My shop on there has got a lot on it. So, and that's really, that's the only other place that every, pretty much everything is available. And they they do have some prints that are exclusive to them and that sort of stuff. So, perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll put the link into them. Thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. the art and business and murals podcast please feel free to reach out via email at podcasts at sarahscully.com or follow up the show notes on the website at sarahscully.com if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends and fellow creatives i'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which i record this podcast the gobby gobby people and i'd like to pay my respects to the elders past present and emerging